Jake Novak is with us live via telephone. He is supervising producer of Street Signs, a program that airs at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on CNBC Network. And uh, he has written an interesting editorial about uh, what the United States could learn from Israel and the way it handles its economy, especially in light of the last uh, five years of the big downturn. We'll speak with him about that and a couple of other things in regard uh, to Israel in uh, economic news. Jake Novak, welcome to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you very much. Pleasure, very much. pleasure to speak to you, and uh, I hope things are going well over there on uh, Street Signs on CNBC. Is that one of the more popular shows on the network? Well, you know, it's a, it's a show that's on during the market hours. As you said, it's on at 2 p.m. Right. And um, I had been, I've been at CNBC for about a year and a half, a little longer than that, and I, my first te- my, the beginning of my tenure there was uh, with the... Uh, the Cudlow Report with Larry Cudlow in the evenings, which was an editorial show based mostly on the economy, but also politics. But I have to tell you, I missed being on while the market is open because, you know, you can get all the politics and economic debate during the market hours as well. But I, I, missed, I missed having breaking news every few minutes. You know, this stock's moving, this company's made this announcement. So for the last couple of months, being back on during uh, market hours has been a pleasure. Oh, that's cool. So 2 o'clock every day, people should realize that that's when it's on. And uh, Street Signs is the name of the program, folks, on CNBC. So, you know, it's interesting. I read your editorial regarding um, uh, what the United States could learn from Israel in terms of its economic policy and the way things have been going in the Holy Land for the last few years. I recall I went to Canada uh, weeks after the whole, you know, housing bubble burst and uh, things were, you know, in such a depressed state or at least anticipating a depressed state here in the U.S. And when I get to my... uh, to my destination in Canada, and I'm schmoozing with some of my friends. They say, yeah, we don't have that problem here. And I said, what? What do you mean you don't have the problem here? I figured that you know anything that happens in the U.S. is yeah. going to happen in Canada, right? <laughs> so they said, no, we don't allow mortgages with less than a 25% uh, down payment on the home. Yeah. So, so we are much more protected in terms of this stuff than what you guys have done in the U.S. And it seems that what you've written about Israel uh, is sort of the same thing, because in Israel they have not suffered the economic downturn that we have over the last five years. Have they been more responsible in terms of the way they lend money and the way they deal with their economic situation? Well, basically they did, they did two things, and the two different strategies that helped Israel were carried out by two different people. Um, the first person is uh, is really good news for Americans, and is that it was Stanley Fisher. Uh, right. Stanley Fisher had the help, you know headed the Bank of Israel, and one of the things he did was uh, similar to our Fed policy in the United States. He you know basically made it easier. He made the, the money flow a little bit easier. And, it's, and specifically in Israel, what he did is he devalued the shekel. Now, if you don't have anything to sell overseas, a lower valued currency isn't going to help you. But Israel, at the same time this tech and pharma explosion was continuing and accelerating in Israel. So at the same time that Israel was, try- was doing the whole startup nation thing, creating companies, creating products, and wanting to sell them, the price to foreign corporations dropped considerably. So there was a lot of uh, interest in, in Israeli products right. and Israeli know-how. Um, People wanted so that, to buy yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. So then, but... Um, it's funny, though, as I research and research more, because what they wanted me to do at CNBC was really look into Stanley Fisher, because Stanley Fisher is about to become the vice chairman of the Fed here. He's going to be easily confirmed Correct. Uh, here in the United States. Um, they wanted me to look, and as I looked more and more into Stanley Fisher, though, it became clear that he was still kind of the second banana in this whole story. And, and the person most responsible for Israel's economic uh, viability during the downturn globally and their strength now 
is really is really Prime Minister Netanyahu, um, and it really it, it's it's amazing how if you go to Israel now, you speak to people. I think his personal popularity in Israel remains weaker than 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 maybe a lot of people expect, but it speaks a lot to the Israeli maturity uh, from the voting public that. People begrudgingly feel that he has he's a good a leader. You know he has he has the right policies. And what he did very simply, Nachum, is he he lowered taxes. He cut taxes both as, in his term as finance minister under Sharon, and he's continued to do it as prime minister. Uh, he's had to raise them a little bit here and there, but in general, it's been a very a cutting process. And he and he just said actually even earlier this week that if Israel's economic growth starts to slow again to a certain level that he wouldn't be happy with, he would cut the taxes again. Right. So it's not really lending money more responsibly, like my example was. This is this is giving people more money, and therefore the economy is going to be vibrant. They have more to spend and more to put back in. Right. I mean, I think that the Israeli pop population and a lot of the world's economists were knocked backwards this week, uh, early actually late last week, by a report that the Globe's Israel newspaper did. They looked into the latest OECD report, which is a fancy term. It's basically the OECD is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. It's a fancy, annoying, bureaucratic term for basically the 34 biggest economies in the world right. are part of this group. And Israel's in it. Yeah, and Israel is in it. And uh, the, the reporters at Globe's, to their credit, went looked at this latest study that you know that was released about uh, in early April that no one bothered to pay attention to, and they looked very closely at it, and they were shocked to find that Israel, out of the 34 countries in this list, has the 31st lowest uh, tax burden. But more importantly, over the last 10 years, the tax burden has been coming down a lot. Now, if you're a person in Israel living here, you probably feel like, oh, my God, this can't be true. We have such terrible taxes. <laughs> they think you're lying. <laughs> yeah, you're crazy. We have the VAT tax. We have all those things. And, you know, I understand that burden, and I'm not trying to belittle it. The point is, though, and this is something that you learn when you study economies and, 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 and markets, it's not only your, your existing burden, but what's the trend been? Has the trend been the taxes and, and costs have been going up, or has the trend been going down? Mm -hmm. And Israel has basically the, the best trend right now. The trend in all these countries, tax burden has been going down considerably over the last 10 years. And the tax um, structure in Israel is incredibly fair. I mean, we keep trying to talk about fairness and taxes here in the United States, and we don't seem to ever be able to get there. They, the, these reporters dug into the report and found that, for example, a single mom making a middle-class wage in Israel has a tax burden, you know, hold on to your hat here, of 1.7%. I mean, that's nothing. Basically, no taxes. That's her income tax rate. Right. And that's a fantastic, it's a fantastic um, way, way to kind of set up your society, because what we want here in the United States, for example, right, don't we want people to not want to go on welfare, to want sure. to stay within the workforce? But, you know, honestly, I mean, people aren't stupid. If they see they're going to make more money from welfare and not working, mm -hmm. you know, they might not get into the workforce. Israel has made this not even a choice. Clearly, you're going to do better in the workforce, no matter what your situation is. And that's obviously going to be a huge issue going forward as they try to incorporate more of the Haredi community into the workforce um, and cut the welfare um, uh, payments to them. Jake Novak with us, uh, supervising producer at CNBC. Um, so what's going on in Israel is, is amazing news. And like you said, not every Israeli uh, would acknowledge it or realize it, right? Yeah. Uh, but when we look at average income tax, you just mentioned one example, under 2%. Unbelievable. We understand the advantage of that. But it, 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 can you quantify for us, uh, on average, what the annual income tax is for an Israeli, what the what the rate would be as compared to here in the U.S.? Yeah, it's just under 21%. It's exactly 20.7%. And that seems like an amazing number, even something we're not used to when you put it all together. Yeah, I mean, it, it, now, again, that doesn't include some of the sales taxes right. and other issues. But remember, in Israel, they don't have the kind of locality and property tax. I mean, they do have property tax, but they don't have the kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're taxed by a million different uh, municipalities and groups here if you live in the United States. So... 
I mean, I would argue the tax burden is lower. It's just that they have other high costs of living uh, in Israel. And some of that, by the way, is a testament to their the economic expansion. You know, when, mm-hmm. when the economy gets better in a country, there is going to be inflation. There's no way around it. Um, but you just hope that, you're, that, that the more jobs and the more income that you're getting will cover that. And one of the things you can do to help that is cut the taxes. And, and we had that here in the United States. You know, we all remember the high inflation of the late 70s, 1980, 1981. Right. And President Reagan, at first as a candidate, and then as president, said, well, I'm going to cut the taxes. And every economist, almost every economist, said, well, that's crazy. That's going to make inflation higher. It's going to make it really rough. And, of course, the exact opposite happened, because people were able to keep more of what they earned. Yeah, sure. They weren't forced to, 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 put it, you know, to, to put the money away and, and keep prices high. And, um, you know, it really – and, you know, again, it's not just a Ronald Reagan thing. John F. Kennedy did it, too. We mm-hmm. had high inflation in the early 60s. He cut the taxes in 1962. Uh, didn't really go into effect until after he was killed, but it did spur a very long economic surge in this country. So I just, it's, it's sad to me that, that cutting taxes have become, has become this partisan thing because Democrats and Republicans in the past used to agree that, yeah, this, this helps the economy. Right. That's why Fisher's new role here it can, can really, if he does go in the direction of uh, what, what, what it sounds like you're proposing, that it be more Israeli-like, uh, it, it can only accomplish, you know, a, a certain. To, it, it can only work to a certain degree. You need the cooperation of those in the administration and those in Congress who are ready to take drastic action when it comes to taxes. I don't know if anybody's prepared for that at this point. Yeah, I mean, what's great about Stanley Fisher is I think one part of his career that maybe he didn't have have established before he went to Israel was this tax cutting experience. Now he didn't do the tax cutting; he just, but he could have been a huge thorn in Netanyahu's side and stopped it. And he clearly understood the value of it and didn't and cooperated with it. All right, so he's now, so he's ready to uh, to allow it to happen. Now the problem is we need his partners to go ahead and implement it. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> at, at the Fed, obviously, he won't have the, the ability right. to enact that policy himself. But what he will do, and I hope, and I think he'll do. You know, you, many of you might remember Alan Greenspan and Ben Bernanke in the early parts of, used to always come to Congress and say, "You listen, you got to cut the spending." Right. Especially on entitlements, you have to do that, and that was right. Stanley Fisher's career in the '80s. He was the great advisor to presidents and, and world leaders all over the globe, telling them, "Look, you got to stop with all this entitlement spending. Stop it, stop it, stop it." And that's another thing Netanyahu did as finance minister. He, he solved the pension prog- pro- problem in Israel. Israel could look a lot like Greece right now had Netanyahu in the early 2000s not helped to reform that. And Fisher was a great advisor to him on that as well. And that's what we need here in the United States. But as I, as, I, as I continue to warn, if you cut your spending and you don't cut the taxes and you don't have some kind of monetary policy, then you have the situation like you have in Europe. You have very, very slow growth. You have to have both. You can't just say, well, we're going to cut the spending and that's going to help because you also need to cut the taxes. You have to have cut. You know, if you're going to take away the help from the government, then you need to be able to tell the people, hey, you're going to keep more of what you earn as well, and that's going to turn out to be better. And by the way, just by way of comparison, because you mentioned under 21% in terms of Israeli income tax, right. all the other developed countries on average in that uh, in that survey are around 36%. I mean, we're talking about a vast difference between what Israel is doing and what the average country on that list is doing. Yeah, it's poison. I mean, if you tell the people of your country, well, we're going to cut all your government benefits and we're going to raise your taxes or we're not going to lower your taxes, that's, that's a recipe for complete disaster. And we haven't had that in the United States because we haven't cut our spending, which is definitely disastrous for the long term. But it's disastrous for the short term if we don't start cutting the taxes. And the, we, just, we haven't had it, and there's not even any remote chance with President Obama in office of any kind of tax cuts, which is really too bad because, like I said before, John F. Kennedy cut taxes. Bill Clinton didn't cut income taxes, but he cut the capital gains tax, right. which is a which was a huge policy that right. Obama almost immediately reversed because Obama has has gone back and raised them from where they were under Clinton, 
which was a terrible policy. And, you know, as I've often said, as much as Republicans are angry at President Obama, the real people who should be angry at him are the Clinton Democrats and the JFK Democrats, because the good things that those two presidents did economically, he's reversed. Stanley Fisher gets confirmed when? In weeks? Months? When when does he move into Washington? I think he's going to be confirmed by the end of this month. The Mm. Senate committee yesterday, uh, I think it was unanimous, uh, confirmed him. You know, he has dual citizenship. We shouldn't let people think that he was, uh, you know, he's a native-born Israeli. But he's basically been the mentor for every single important person in American economic thought in the last 20 or 30 years. Ben Bernanke is a student. Alan Greenspan, Alan Greenspan was his colleague. Mohammed Al Arian, who um, you know is basically one of the great minds as far as bonds and investments in this country, uh, in a great show of ecumenical Muslim to Jewish cooperation, can't say enough good things about <laughs> Stanley Fisher. So that's how you know he's really good, a, a, a real good deal. Jake Novak is with us, supervising producer of Street Signs, which is on CNBC weekdays at 2 p.m. Uh, before I let you go, what's the, yeah, and it's funny because, you know, from my vantage point, you always think that, you know, Israel and, uh, and Jewish news dominates no matter where. And we don't realize sometimes how, uh, how small the news item could be if it's coming out of Israel who's referring to the Israeli economy. Is, is there, is there a blip on the, on the screen of interest at your network? when they hear about these massive purchases that are going on uh, by international companies, usually based in America, of Israeli companies? When you hear about, I don't know, Starbucks possibly with SodaStream or, or Waze or other high-tech companies that are you know, making an impact out there in our news, does it affect your news? You know, uh, there really is. Uh, there really has been, in the last couple of years, in the mainstream general business news media, an acknowledgement that all these political discussions about Israel are about to become secondary, which would be such welcome news. I mean, when you hear Israel and it's not about the territories and not about the Palestinians and you hear about something about the, about SodaStream or Intel, I mean, uh, Jim Cramer from Mad Money here, and he's also on Squawk on the Street, who's you know the, the very wild and, and sage uh, stock trader here that we use here at, at CNBC, he's been a SodaStream promoter for a long time, and he's been focused on it for many, many years. Um, and these are the kinds of things that really make make a difference. And it's one of the good. It's one of the things that we need to remind some of our, you know, fellow Jews who are so working so hard against things like the BDS movement and other groups against Israel. But look, we, we appreciate your work. But look at the business pages because every single day, I, I've done this. I started to do this on my social media pages on Twitter and Facebook. Every day, I list about four or five what I call the BDS fails, and I'm running out of time because I, I now it's, it's almost ten a day. Wow. Every day there's a, there's another story, and of course the big big news I thought this week was that Intel is going to put another five to six billion dollars into Israel in a new in a new factory. Right. There. I mean, it's it's getting to the point where look, there's absolutely no way the world econ- the world economy would take a tremendous hit if Israelis know how and products and deals were somehow stopped, and this is all before. Israeli natural gas and shale oil comes onto the market in the next couple of years, which is going to make uh, be another big game changer. Unbelievable. Well, Jake, you keep writing editorials like this, and you'll be promoting more and more Aliyah. People are going to be looking toward toward Israel for their future. And, uh, hey, that's only a good thing, especially to mention this time of year with the big uh, Israel's uh, 66th birthday coming up. Thanks so much for joining us. Continued good luck at CNBC. You're very welcome. Thank you. Jake Novak is supervising producer of Street Signs at CNBC. And, uh, yes, yes, yes. He says, look east if you want to see what's happening with a stable, good, growing, and responsible economy. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the 